Welcome to Built Environment Matters, a monthly podcast brought to you by Bryden Wood, an international company of technologists, designers, architects, engineers, and analysts working for a better built environment. Bryden Wood believe in design to value, to cut carbon, drive efficiency, save time, make beautiful places, and build a better future. Hello and welcome to In Short, a bite-sized podcast in which we explore a single aspect of our design-to-value approach. The last two years we've been working with the new hospitals programme to reimagine the NHS estate. The role of the programme was to deliver 40 new hospitals by 2030, but a total of 48 hospitals now sit under the remit of the NHP. The programme is a joint venture between the Department for Health and Social Care and the NHS. The programme has five key principles, digitally empowered patients, digitally enabled staff, intelligent systems, hospitals without walls delivered in a smart building. The programme will be the first social infrastructure programme that will really deliver on a wealth of government policy and strategy that's been emerging over the last few years, including, for instance, the construction playbook, which talks an awful lot about modern methods construction, platform approaches, zero carbon, embedding digital technologies. The ultimate aim of these being to rationalise, optimise, standardise in the way we deliver social infrastructure. It became clear even from the outset that the scale and ambition of the programme meant that a traditional business-as-usual approach simply wasn't going to work. So it needed a new approach, a refreshed approach, and that's where Bride and Wood came in. So we already have experience of delivering highly flexible and adaptable Healthcare facilities offering a fantastic patient experience whilst also delivering lower capital cost. So Circle Birmingham, which opened in 2021, was delivered at, say, a 30% capital cost reduction compared to traditional build. Circle Reading had proven the principles of adaptable, repeatable kits of parts that also offer very highly specialised clinical functionality. There's been a wave of innovation and healthcare delivery across the UK recently, and Bryden would have been right at the epicentre of that. Given our previous work, we were champions that digital had to sit at the heart of the programme. So things like automation in design and delivery, industrialised construction, these had to be central tenets and not just bolt-ons. It was our previous work on other social infrastructure programmes that cemented our place on the new hospitals programme. Starting in 2016, we worked with the Ministry of Justice on the Prison Estates Transformation Programme, and there we designed a new, highly optimised type of prison that was targeted on rehabilitation that led to a repeatable suite of designs which are now being rolled out across the prison estates. While they're in completely different sectors, there's actually loads of parallels between the work we did for the Ministry of Justice and the work we're doing for the new hospitals programme. So They're both massive transformational programs delivering social infrastructure. They're both looking at a long-lasting legacy of the right way to design and deliver these facilities. And they're both very outcome-focused and value-driven. So in the case of prisons, that was seeking rehabilitation and therefore improving the lives of prisoners and their families and society at large. For the NHP, that's all about delivering the best possible clinical outcomes in a very sustainable way. For both programs, we developed a centralised, highly optimised reference design that can then be adapted and localised to suit local conditions, local contexts. But our role on the two programs is increasingly becoming 
understood with a connective tissue that took the best practice and learning from the Ministry of Justice programme and has brought that into the new hospitals programme. Both programmes, we developed the core reference design that describes, say, 80% of the asset. That can then be applied to local sites and scaled up or scaled down to suit the population needs or healthcare needs. It can be reconfigured to suit the local site conditions. It can be tailored to local suppliers enabling local supply chains. So within the core reference design, we have a number of options that allow us to then target that towards a specific site context and the local needs. So one of the obvious benefits of repeatable design is to satisfy government's ambitions to deliver using modern methods of construction and design for manufacturing assembly. But actually the benefits are much, much deeper than that. So having a central design firstly allows NHP to be very much in control of the design process and to own the designs that can then be retained and improved moving forwards. It allows us to do much more stakeholder engagement than any individual trust could ever do on their own. So by having a central design, we can then drag in all the expertise we need about digital, about clinical best practice, about new technologies, and we can enshrine that in a design to a far greater level than any individual scheme normally gets to do. Once that's been enshrined, you then get the benefits of all of that clinical best practice rolled out around the entire NHS estate. And that then has further benefits in terms of staff training, operational efficiency, maintenance and replacement moving forward. So by baking all of these things into the reference design, we can then enable every part of the design, training, operation, maintenance of these assets moving forwards. Taking the key learnings from our work with the Ministry of Justice, we developed for New Hospitals Programme a centralised reference design highly optimised, that's called Hospital 2.0. Hospital 2.0 is then a standardised, repeatable design. One of the original requests was to develop a repeatable kit of parts and get all the benefits of industrialised construction. Actually, what we found is before you get anywhere close to that, there's a lot of work that, that needs to happen. Optimising and standardising the model of care, that then feeds down into optimised departments, that then feeds into optimised rooms and spaces, and eventually the kit of parts becomes obvious. So what we found is that by really focusing on that kind of optimised clinical outcomes, we got all of these clinical benefits, and then the kit of parts started to reveal itself. So we then went through a process of, from increasingly high level, defining what a best practice hospital should look like. So one of the things we landed on fairly early was this idea of having two cores. So having two separate cores gives you tons of flexibility in terms of how you move people around the building. So you can separate visitor staff and patient flows. It gives you future proofing for pandemic situations. So that became a sort of key principle. Linking the cores, we then put the building as a loop. So again, it gave you the ability to flow around the building in different directions, gives you lots of connectivity for optimizing patient journeys and staffing flows, but also again, giving that kind of future proofing, future flexibility. It also helpfully created courtyards in the building. So we naturally had light coming in from the outside of the building and the ability to get natural light deep into the center of the building. So again, it helped us to create you know, excellent patient experience, but also get you know, better working conditions for staff. So that started to set the overarching typology of what the building itself might look like. 
we then moved into wards. So about 40% of the NHP is accounted for by the inpatient wards. It's obviously one of the most prevalent typologies within the building. So we started to look at the best nursing models. What we found is that a nurse can typically look after, say, eight patients. So we found that a four-person staff could look after 32 patients. So we then used 32 beds as our standard size for a ward. Within that, we made sure that all the rooms are single occupancy, firstly for the privacy and decency and the quality of the patient experience. But also, again, it gives you lots of flexibility for sort of pandemic future-proofing and isolating, separating staff. Within the wards, we have twin corridors. Again, firstly, to help with the flows of people, but also to give us more flexibility moving forwards. So that led to a highly standardized, highly optimized inpatient ward, typically at the top of the building. And then with our twin core and loop typology, that kind of set the floor plates at the top of the building, and then it sets parameters for how you bring the building down to ground. So tons of effort went into working with all sorts of clinical stakeholders to optimize the design of inpatients, because it then told you something about how to do the same process on theatres and imaging and the other departments as we move through the assets. This isn't then a question of delivering identikit hospitals. So all of the clinical best practice, all of the best patient experiences is enshrined within the core design, but the cladding and the aspect and the views and the way that that's arranged on site is obviously quite site specific. And as we go down through the building, there's the opportunity to expand and contract the facilities to move different departments around to suit local needs, local context. So we're not trying to make cookie cutter hospitals. We're trying to create a flexible, adaptable solution, which bakes in best practice, but allows local trusts to get the facilities they need. An enormous benefit to the trusts is the speed with which it allows you to do that early design process. So Typically, the business case approval, the submissions, the approvals can take years before construction even begins. By having a reference time, which is pre-engineered, pre-agreed, bakes in best practice, it allows you to do that early design process and get a working design much, much, much quicker with potentially some of the approvals pre-carried out. So that early process of getting onto site could happen in a fraction of the time of a traditional programme. Through this approach, we think we can achieve productivity gains of up to 20%, which, given the value and scale of this programme, is worth billions to the, the UK taxpayer. Through testing this approach on some of the sites we've looked at, we're seeing potential gains in terms of cost reduction of 30%, programme reduction of 20%, as well as those enormous productivity benefits in the delivery phase. Thank you for listening to Built Environment Matters, a podcast brought to you by Bryden Wood. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcast, and you can follow Bryden Wood on LinkedIn and Twitter.